Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Thursday night edition of the program. Our phone number, if you want to join our late night national town hall conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, interesting day today, right? There was a few different things that were going on, and I thought it was an interesting day when it comes to the news, at least. Because, well, it was not every day that you see these these stories, right? Uh, first of all, there was this um, story earlier in the day that I thought was quite interesting. Pharmacies nationwide were facing delays as there were reports of a cyber attack. And I thought, geez, that's crazy. And, you know, I see this after I check my family group test. Uh, uh, chat, excuse me. Uh, it's a group text where my brother, who believes all he tells me, that's it, it's going down. I'm like, what's going down? We're changing our financial system. I said, really? Okay. Changing. Yep. It's going to be done under the guise of, of, I forget what he said. And so I'm looking at what's going on and I see, no, it's actually um, a, an impending cyber attack. And I'm reading about this. I'm like, yeah, maybe he's not wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe there's more to this than uh, we, we, we know about. But pharmacies across the country were reporting delays uh, on prescription orders because of a cyber attack against one of the nation's largest healthcare technology companies. Imagine that. Listen to this. Change Healthcare, a company that handles orders and patient uh, payments throughout the whole country. They first noticed the uh, cybersecurity issue affecting their networks yesterday. And they go on to say that Change Healthcare is experiencing a network interruption related to a cybersecurity issue. And their experts were working to correct the matter. So that was actually a thing. Now you're thinking, all right, why is this news? Well, no, I'm just telling you how my day went. So I said, oh, wow, we have that problem. Then people's phones weren't working. Why? Well, AT&T had a whole outage. 
their um their network was down for for a number of people even some certain 911 um networks were down so they haven't really even acknowledged why certain AT&T phones didn't work today they just said that they're back and running and um they're suggesting that there's no reason to think it was the result of a cyber attack the way if you took you know a little bit longer to get your prescription filled it was part of a cyber attack so just very interesting to see how you know all of this stuff went you don't know who to believe anymore right who knows who's who and what's what anyway we continue uh let's see we've got banks that are not interested in being part of the uh, left-wing climate coalition as there's you know obviously controversy there Let's see which banks. Oh, let's see. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So some of the uh, largest investment banks were were jumping ship. They were jumping out of the what they call the left wing climate coalition. And they did that, of course, um, ahead of a pending antitrust lawsuit against the group. This is part of what's happening with environmental activism policies. J.P. Morgan, BlackRock, State Street, they've all dropped out of the Climate Action 100 Plus Network, a U.N.-backed coalition of some of the world's largest asset managers. And that this has been going on since, um, since last week, and it's continuing. Now, why are they jumping ship? Well, the exodus came as a group of Republican attorneys general are wrapping up this... Um, several years long investigation into preparing a major uh, antitrust lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. A little legal action always scares people. And it's against this uh, left-wing climate network that I just mentioned the name of. And man, this is what, uh, what, what it, what it has uh, resulted in. I tell you, that is just crazy time. So those are some of the stories that I was looking at that I thought, Hmm, just odd, right? It's just odd. These things are not every day you see these types of headlines. And uh, of course, Biden met with the the widow of Alexei Navalny. Isn't that interesting? Of all the things Biden could be doing, he's there. Uh, you know, we're sorry your husband was killed. Just sometimes I wonder what is going on anymore. Really, what what is actually happening? Because. I don't know. I can't figure it out sometimes. Honestly, it isn't. I mean, you got John Fetterman, right? Who who had passed the, the Senate rule. Remember this guy passed the Senate rule? He could wear whatever he wants. And they were like, nah, you can't. You can't show up in a hoodie. And they changed the rule back or whatever it was. Um, he's out there. And he's telling, um, of all people, Joe Scarborough from The Morning Joke. And he tells him that all Democrats have to stop publicly criticizing Joe El Baboso Biden. And he's saying, you know, we're giving Republicans too much ammo, right? If we're, we're constantly criticizing our own, saying that we might as well get our MAGA hats. This is crazy. Listen to this. And we are- 
And we also have to start having you know, all kinds of Democrats criticizing the president, too, publicly. I, I don't understand why. I, I don't know what's in it for you to do that, whether you're just chasing clout or you want to make it in the news or anything like that. But if you're not willing to just support the president now and say these kinds of things, you might as well just get your MAGA hat because you now yeah. are helping Trump at this. I thought, you know, when John Fetterman talks, Sometimes he says things that make a little bit of sense, but most of the time he sounds like, like AI gone bad, right? It, it just, it's kind of hard to follow, you know? Well, maybe it's just me, and I know he had a stroke and everything, but uh, honestly, this doesn't sound right. Anyway, that's uh, John Fetterman on the morning joke. I don't know. All I could say is I think everybody should be criticizing uh, the president because the president sucks. His policies suck. Karine Jean-Pierre sucks. This is a horrible situation that we're in. And for anybody to sit there and think, you know, anything other than this man should be replaced, most people think he should be in jail. So I think for sure, yeah, this is, this is the end of the road. This is not about um, trying to, um, you know, to, to make things better. This is a, it's, it's a come to Jesus moment, right? This is where we should be like, all right, we've all had enough. Anyway. Uh, we're going to get into a few things tonight. Lots of interesting conversation to be had. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of a conversation on, well, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but there's there's a few interesting things that I want to get to. Uh, one, one of the things, though, I want to touch on is why this country seems to be coming apart at the seams, right? <laughs> you just... At, at times you look and you think, man, what is going on here? I'm going to get into that. Uh, we're also going to touch on a couple other things, like what is going on with Biden's brain? You know, I want, really, I want to dig into that uh, because sometimes I, it's funny, but then it's like, no, it's not funny. What, what are we doing here? And then, of course, uh, I want to talk about um, some something that is important to all of us, our children, right? So, folks, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night. With Rich Valdez. And can I make a suggestion? I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page. It is ridiculous yeah. that the New York Times fact checked Joe Biden on something. I mean, he vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. And he, every day, over and over and over again. And it's just ridiculous that the New York Times is doing a fact check on, on Biden while they let Trump, while they're numb to the torrent of lies coming out of Trump's mouth. That is uh, Claire McCaskill. She was on the morning joke on MSNBC. And she was very upset uh, with the New York Times. And again, uh, this was uh, yesterday because they were they were chastised by Corinne Jean-Pierre for saying, you know, look, we're, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. We're not, we're not fact checking Biden anymore. So that's enough. And, uh, and it looks like they're still angry. They're still angry. And, and this is part of why 
you know, young people will buy just about anything because this is what they believe, right? They, they, they were given news uh, on cable news, on, on, on their phones, on TikTok, wherever, wherever they get their news. This is what they're hearing. And it's, it's a one-sided story. And I guess they're taught in school that when you consume media, uh, in particular the news, that you shouldn't be skeptical of it and that you should just believe it's gospel truth. And anything that challenges that idea isn't just a different opinion or a different angle is somehow a lie and that you should be offended by this. And, you know, I'm grateful that I learned about critical thinking a different way. It wasn't based on, you know, if I agreed with it or not. It was just, does it make sense or not? Anyway, this is part of what's going on with the fabric of our country. And I, I want to, I really want to talk about this for a little bit because I think, man, we're in bad shape. We really, really are. And I want to have a conversation with uh, Delano Squires, a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation at the uh, Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and the Family. And ultimately, right, those are the things that really matter most in life, I think, um, religion and the family, right? That's kind of what guides us in, in so much of what we do in life. So uh, Delano Squires, welcome, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So what, what's your take on what's going on with the fabric of our country? Why is America coming apart at the seams? Well, I, I believe that many of the problems and social ills that we face um, ultimately are traced back to the home. Uh, I think the breakdown in sort of the nuclear family and family formation um, is driving a lot of it. So, so for instance, um, right now in America, about 40% of children are born to unmarried parents. Um, for comparison's sake, at the t- in 1965, when the, the Moynihan Report came out um, that looked at dynamics within the black family, the 25% out-of-wedlock birth rate among black Americans was considered cause for national action. Um, and, and obviously it's increased uh, since then, both for, for the black community and just Americans in general. And, and I don't think it's any coincidence that we see uh, a number of, of issues, whether it's crime and disorder in big cities, uh, whether it's um, issues of mental health for young people, um, people young people who are self-medicating with, with drugs and alcohol. I think all of these things point back to the state of family life that for many uh, children um, is fractured in some ways or, and, and particularly for young men where they just feel um, dismissed and, and uh, disregarded and are acting out in ways that people don't often understand. So, you know, the, 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 our family, the state of our unions is not strong right now. It's certainly not as strong as it used to be. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know, we're having some of the issues that we're having today. Well, I think that's a, a really interesting take because we we hear it more and more lately, and I think we hadn't heard that in a long time, but there seems to be a number of people out there saying, you know, a lack of a father in a home, uh, a lack of just the, the, the cornerstone of our society, the nuclear mm-hmm. family, seems to be a thing of the past. And we, we used to be that, you know, we would say things like, well... Families come in different shapes and sizes. They're all types. You know, sometimes there's single parents, sometimes mm-hmm. there's not. But now it seems like it's becoming the norm. 
And it's almost like weird if, if you're like, what do you mean you have two parents? How, how, what, what, what's going on with you? And, and, and I, mm. it's, I, I find it interesting. I'm a dad and I have two girls and my big girl is 22. My little girl is 18. And I just, I've always told them it's important for you to surround yourself with people who are whole and it doesn't mean you don't have friends that are, are you know, are not whole in one way, but you're going to find people who come from different backgrounds that, that are lacking something and may, and mm. they don't know what they don't know. Right. They, uh, for example, I would say a little girl that does it, that grows up in, in a home without a dad, not a hundred percent. I'm sure there's a lot of single moms getting mad at me right now, but there's, there's a lot of them that I've seen with my, my daughter's friends growing up. And I go, look, you, you can't do that. And they're like, well, they get to do it. I go, no, well, you can't do that. <laughs> and they're like, why not? I was like, because right. you can't, right? <laughs> I'm here. And I said, no. And, and ultimately becomes that there is a lack of a father in the home and, and you see it and how yeah. they grow up. And they've come back to me and told me, you know, in their adulthood, like my, my big girl who's 22, I remember she turned 20. She was 19 turning 20. And she, she was a 4th of July family barbecue. And she was like, you know, dad, all that stuff you used to say when, when we were little, I thought you were crazy. She said, but it made all the difference. Like some of my friends are doing crazy stuff. And, um, you know, she's like, I think it's because of you and mom that I just don't do these crazy things because somebody told me not to. And she's, you know, when, when they don't have a dad, there's nobody there telling them in certain cases not to. And, and I'm not sliding women in any way, but I, I, I see this with my own eyes. Is this something that in your research you've seen as well? Yeah, I mean, you, you pick up on a number of things that I've, that I've seen in the research and, and live myself. Uh, I think one of the things that's interesting about what you say is that if if 40 to 50 or 60 or 70 percent of children in America, depending on where they live or what community they come from, grew up without a mother, no one would question whether or not there would be downstream effects for those children, their communities right. and society at all. But for Great. some reason, we tend to think of of fathers as the family's appendix, right? Good if you have one, but not particularly necessary. Like tonsils. Uh, and I think yeah. that's a mistake. <laughs> right. Right, or, or tonsils, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so, so I, I think that's a mistake because men and women are different, right? We're equal in dignity and worth, different in form and function, all created in the image of God, all having, as I said, inherent dignity and worth. Um, but men, for instance, tend to roughhouse with their children more, um, which... which AIDS and, and you know, sort of social and emotional development, uh, they tend to focus more on gross motor skills than, than moms do um, because men are different and we bring different things to the family. And, and even and I, have, I have two girls and two boys. My, my children are younger, oldest being eight, the oldest being eight and the youngest being four. Mm. But, but my boys relate to me much different than they do their mom, right? They, they always want to fight. They, they want to <laughs> play rough. And when they do it to her, she says, wait, wait till your dad gets home, right? So right. there's a certain balance that the two of us bring to the home. And a father gives uh, a boy and a young man someone to model himself after. And he gives a young woman um, a standard that a future husband will have to live up to when, when done right. And obviously, we've all seen this done horribly wrong. Um, but, but dads matter. And I think it's important to say that. Well, Delano Squire, stick around. I want to pull on that thread and discuss a little bit more about why dads matter. And I think you bring up a good point that if moms weren't in the home, people would be sounding the alarm. Folks, we're coming right back with Delano Squires. He's from the Heritage Foundation, and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. There is more news in your commentary, in your analysis, than there is on the news network. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Over 45% of single mothers with children under the age of six live in poverty, while married couples with children have a single-digit poverty rate. Now, that's decades of research that also show that children raised in homes with married parents have better social and emotional outcomes than children in any other arrangement. And again, that's a quote from Delano Squires, research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, our guest. Delano Squires, we're talking about why dads matter. And I think this this uh, statistic that I just shared uh, definitely uh, underscores that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And um, it's one of the reasons why I, I write so often about um, the success sequence uh, which is research that shows that millennials born between 1980 and 1984 who finish high school, get a job, get married, and then have children um, have a single-digit poverty rate by the time they hit 30. So this this really is a three-step, a simple three-step anti-poverty plan um, that I think um, can be delivered and introduced to, to students, whether in middle or high school, long before they choose to have a family. Uh, but, but I think people need to be honest about what the, what the data show, and it shows that, that children who grow up with single mothers particularly um, are at an increased risk, increased, uh, risk of living uh, and growing up in poverty. But, but I, I do want to say something because we're two dads talking, mm-hmm. and you and I both know that there's a lot more to being a dad than just being a provider. That, that is the floor but not the ceiling. Right. Um, because our children benefit uh, ultimately from our presence, E-N-C-E, just as much, if not more, than, than presence, E-N-T-S. Right. Um, because when, when kids sit up in the middle of the night with a 102-degree fever and they yell out for daddy, 
knowing that you are down the hall brings them a certain sense of peace and comfort. Um, and that's impossible for a man who has, you know, four children by three women in two different states. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not just the provision that men bring, which is important. Again, no, no society teaches its women that it is their responsibility to take care of an adult male and the children that they share together. So I do think it's important for men to be providers. Um, but we do so much more within the context of the family, particularly within the context of a family where it's a married mom and dad together. You know, it's funny how, you know, you say that and I'm shaking my head in agreement. I'm like, yeah, well, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, I try to step out from my own view of things and, and really kind of process that. And I think it's, it's actually a very profound statement uh, that, you know, I would never have thought that would be so profound that a dad's presence, Mm. ENCE, as you've noted, uh, makes that much of a difference, but it does. And, and I've seen it happen. Uh, you know, now that you're mentioning it, I think about my children knowing that I was there, knowing, you know, if they, if they had an issue in the middle of the night, you know, they knew I was there and I never took that mm-hmm. into consideration, honestly. And so right now that I'm reflecting a little bit and I think, man, imagine, you know, every kid that is, I guess, a product of divorce and, and that goes away, which my, ch- my children experienced, uh, in some degree. Uh, mm-hmm. but what about the kids that, that just never had the dad in the home at all. It means it goes right, back to what right. we talked about, about that emotional outcome where they, they grow up with that insecurity of not knowing they have that, that father figure in the home. And uh, that's, you know, it's, it's almost sad to think that you'd grow up that way. Cause I think that's something you could definitely take into adulthood and it, it could cause a hyper independence. It could cause a, uh, maybe a reticence towards men um, might impact your own relationships in the future. It's just interesting to see how that could manifest something so simple. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to your point, right, the the number of young people who have dealt with um, divorce, right, where parents get divorced. And there are many, many, many young people across the country who have never even seen a man and woman married together, living in the same household. And I mean, in some in some neighborhoods, and I I grew up in New York and went to college in Pittsburgh and been in the D.C. area uh, for the last 16 years. So I've spent all my life in and around cities. This this some neighborhoods where I mean, it is rare to find a married man and woman raising uh, their biological children. So what ends up happening is that on a on a larger communal and cultural level, the norm of marriage before carriage has completely disappeared, which mm-hmm. means that when that young man is 20, 21, 25, 26, he, he doesn't think to himself, well, I, I need to give her a ring before I give her a baby. And, and neither does the young woman that, that he's dating. So, so these things just sort of replicate. Um, and and f- for all the factors that contributed to how we got to this place, and some have to do with public policy, some have to do with norms around sex and sexuality, some have to do with you know, economic changes and, and structural changes in the economy, some have to do with media, uh, and imagery and, and culture and art. But once a, a particular cultural norm sets in, it begins to move under its own momentum. It doesn't have to continue, continually get the same push, right, from, from public policy or, 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 you know, some other area. And now that is the norm in many, many, many American neighborhoods, particularly in, in some of our largest cities. So I think to reverse that, the first thing we need to do is bring attention to it. Uh, we need to note that 
the most privileged people in this country are, are not privileged because of their skin colors, because they grow up, their children growing up in a household with a married biological mother and father in a loving, low-conflict home. Um, that's the type of thing that, that confers privilege on a child. Uh, so I think, you know, raising awareness, as the left likes to say, is the first step. And then from there, we can, we can talk about how we begin to, to turn the tide on these trends. I think that's really profound, uh, and, and some would dare say controversial that the most privileged people are those that grow up in a married home. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, I just, I know how my critics are. And when, when I hear certain things on this show, I go, Oh my God, that's going to piss somebody off. But uh, fascinating that, that that is, you know, what it is. It really is remarkable. Folks wrong with Delano Squires, a research fellow at the center for life, religion, and the family at the heritage foundation. And, and this is, um, you mentioned a number of factors right now, and I agree with you, all of them are relevant, but, in particular, I feel it's culture that has driven this particular change. But you also mentioned policy. Do you think that it's public policy, like maybe FDR's policies, uh, the, the way that welfare changed during his time that created this, this shift? Or is it cultural or both? I think it's some of both. And, and different people may, may change the percentages, tweak the percentages here, here or there. Uh, I certainly think in the 1960s, efforts to expand welfare, both from nonprofits, you know, that, that wanted to, to get more low-income mothers on, on, on welfare roles, as well as the federal government, certainly created massive incentives for, for particularly unmarried women to marry the government. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing, right? And I, and I think you start to see the roles explode after that. Um, but I also think that, that culture plays a part, right? And particularly, you know, imagery, m- music, film, television. So when when you glorify a particular lifestyle, whether that's being, you know, a single mom or unmarried and unmarried mom or even the way they, they portray fathers, those all those things send signals to a society about what is deemed accept- acceptable and what is not. And, and to me, oftentimes people say that um, that politics is downstream from culture. And I do think that's largely true, but, but really I think of it more as a dance. And sometimes um, culture leads and sometimes politics leads. But So, for instance, um, there are times in which, I'll say it this way, I think the, the uh, Brown versus Board of Ed uh, decision that ends school segregation uh, was an instance in which politics was certainly out ahead of culture, right? And culture had to catch up. But there were um, Americans had gotten used to portrayals of same-sex couples on TV and in movies long before Obergefell, the Obergefell decision in 2015. So, right. um, I think it's, it's both policy and culture sort of playing together. But at this point. It, the the, bar, the um, social stigma around out of wedlock childbirth is has completely disappeared, except for you know the most religious communities in the country. Um, anyone else, whether you are a big city mayor or or a multi-million dollar you know quarterback or a business executive, to hear that someone is having a child with with someone they're not married to, no longer is a shock to the conscience. And whenever you lower 
or eliminate the social stigma that's attached to a particular behavior, you should expect to get more of it. And I think that's part of the reason why we are where we are today. Folks, we're on with Delano Squires, research fellow at the Center for Life, Religion, and Family at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, we're going to come right back uh, to, to wrap up our discussion on the family. And something that he brought up in our first segment was the Moynihan Report, where it was reported that, you know, back then it was 40% of black children were born to single mothers. Today, that number is 70%. And the Moynihan Report focused on the the black family as crumbling. But in reality, this is every part of the American family is crumbling. And we've talked about a lot of those problems right now. When we come back, some of the solutions don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our conversation with Delano Squires from the Heritage Foundation. And part of uh, what we've discussed tonight are ills in society that we, we've known about and that have, you know, become worse. However, I, I don't know what all the answers are. I think for me, a lot, a lot of times the answer is, you know, well, maybe we should go to church more and maybe we shouldn't be kicking God out of everything, you know, kick him out of church and kicking out of school, kicking out of government. It's like God can't be anywhere anymore. But uh, those are um, broad strokes ideas. Uh, Delano Squires, what are some of the practical solutions that you envision to remedy some of these problems that are destroying the fabric of the American family? So um, I have a couple things in mind, and the way I, I phrase this is that if we want to um, fortify and rebuild the home, we need to get four houses in order. Um, those are the church house. So I do think that religious institutions play a tremendous role, one, in declaring sort of the, the reality and goodness of the sex binary, but two, holding the line on the, on the definition, particularly the biblical definition of, of marriage, um, so we need to get the church house in order. There's the schoolhouse. Uh, I mentioned the success sequence, and there are educators across the country who are introducing that descriptively to students in middle and high school. Um, I also think, particularly with respect to the black family, that HBCUs can play a larger role in, in promoting family formation, right? Whether that's in the classroom with, you know, wife school or husband boot camp or or, or even in, you know, events, mixers and speed dating events that they hold on campus. Um, there's the there's the state house, right, in terms of public policy. And we talked about that a little bit. I think um, something that's not even policy related, but it's just an administrative change, is that any local human services department, child family or child welfare department can take some of its budget and run ads all across the, the city on buses, bus shelters, trains, billboards, with messaging that says, in this city, we put marriage before carriage, or, you know, give her a ring before you, before she gives you a baby, something to that effect. Right. Um, and then there's the art house. Um, and, and again, we talked about the inf- impact and influence of media and culture. So um, th- there are things that we can do. And I think the first step is to raise awareness. 
Um, and then from there, we can, you know, try to work to plant the seeds in good ground and water them and give them light uh, with hope that they'll actually grow. And then when things pop up, we prune as necessary um, because it took us 60 plus years to get here. Uh, I figure it will take at least two to three generations to turn it around. I love your optimism. And sometimes I don't share it, but I do today. And I think that's a great direction <laughs> good, good. to go in. I really do. Uh, you know, I sit there and I, I, I fear sometimes the future for my own kids. And I think, man, what does it look like? Mm. Because, you know, I mean, it's just it, it's not easy in these streets, right? <laughs> it just gets harder and mm -hmm, harder. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as the, you, you mentioned it before, when the stigma is eliminated for certain things in society, um, they just expect more of them. And I think there is no stigma to that anymore. It's almost like married. Who gets married anymore? Why would you do that? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a scary thing. Uh, Delano Squires, let everybody that's tuned in right now know how they could uh, follow you and learn more about the work that you're doing. Sure. I mean, the easiest way is to follow me on Twitter um, mm -hmm. at Delano, D-E-L-A-N-O-S-Q-U-I-R-E-S. -E um, and then, you know, I also have a page at, at the Heritage Foundation. And then I also, I'm a contributor to Blaze Media. So, you know, my, my columns go up once a week, but I tend to share most of what I publish on Twitter. So that's, that's the easiest way. Folks, give them a follow. Check them out at the Heritage Foundation at Delano Squires. Sir, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed to you. I appreciate you uh, staying up late and having this conversation with us. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hope to do you it bet. again soon. Amen. Folks, we're coming back with your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. We're discussing the family, the decay of family, what's going on with the fabric of America, what happened in our country, and how do we get back to what, what it was, or should we get back, right? I think that's an issue for some people thinking, you know, uh, what I want to get back to is not what they want to get back to. Let's go to the phones, get your opinions on this, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go down south, Atlanta, Hotlanta, the A, W-G-K-A. Let's check in with our buddy Steve. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call again. Yes, sir. So um, th when, when I heard him speaking, I, all I heard was excuse, excuse. This is what we'll try to do. This is what we'll try to do. Excuse, excuse. And I'm a God servant. And I'm unapologetic about it, okay, at my work, in my personal life, with everyone around me. And I have 12 people living in my house. I'm just a plumber, right? God's put in front of me 
all the choices I have to make as a God servant. So I treat everything that's put in front of me as a God servant. I am totally yours. You give me anything and anybody, and I will, with, through your grace, turn it around. There are no excuses. Either you fail him or you serve him. Now, if you fail him and he puts something in front of you, that's just what it was supposed to be. But I haven't failed. I've never failed. I took in my first homeless person at the age of 17. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God until I was in my mid-40s. No, not mid, early 40s. But so it, But I was always a servant of God. I didn't even know it. I, I, I didn't want to give over the reins to my life, right, to my soul, mm-hmm. to my being. But everything is about whether or not you serve his children. You, if you just serve his children, do what you can to serve his children, everything else will work itself out. Trust me. You're that going to like be a, like living a in a word. big and fine house. Yeah, I, I hope we can apply that to restoring the family if everybody will do their part to serve. I just don't know if it happens that easily and that quickly. Uh, Steve, thank you, brother. I appreciate that uh, that uh, sentiment. And uh, again, I, I hope it's that easy. I really do. Uh, I don't know that that we can get to that that quickly. Maybe uh, that's me being skeptical. Anyway, folks, we're going to talk about Biden's declining mental health and the difference between men's brains and women's brains. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Thursday night edition of our program. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I want to talk about a couple of headlines here. There's a few things going on, right? There's always political headlines. Of course, it's an election year. We're always going to see lots of that. So we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, maybe in the top of the next hour. But what I want to talk about are a couple of stories that uh, we saw today. We saw the pharmacies that were offline for a while. AT&T was offline. Uh, The pharmacies claimed that it was because of a cyber attack on one of the largest um, distribution channels for pharmacies. Uh, Meanwhile, AT&T said it wasn't that. 
And it, it makes me think, you know, if all these people didn't have their medication, then then what happens? You know, what, what really happens with people who need help, people that have, you know, cognitive issues, mental issues, health issues, all sorts of issues. People take medication for all sorts of things. And when they, they can't get it, you know, we're in a problem. And, and I think that goes straight down from, from Joe Biden to everybody else, because ultimately people have, have different brains, right? And, and I say that because there's some research from Stanford that suggests that men and women have very different brains. And there's a, a report from CNN that kind of highlights this difference between men and uh, men's and women's brains. Listen to this. A group of scientists say artificial intelligence indicates the brains of women and men work differently. Stanford medicine researchers have unveiled a new AI model that they say can tell if a patient is a woman or a man using only brain scans. And what they found that there were parts of the brain where there were key differences. So in terms of learning and how we respond to rewards in particular, um, and they had 90% accuracy. How will this, this research be used? So this is about how to treat different disorders. Now, forward research, so why some women, some men may um, experience different types of disorder and whether that's connected to the way their brains are effectively wired. If they want to treat that, then they will be treating men and women differently. Wow. So this is a revelation, right? Because now you have the science claiming that men are not women and women are not men. Now, this is something I think I've always known and many of you have always known. Uh, but this is interesting that the, these brains are different. And I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there to suggest that brains are not that different, right? That the male brain and the female brain are the same. But if you've ever dealt with the opposite sex, whether you're married or have dated someone or had children of the opposite sex, I think you'll quickly find that we're very, very different. You know, sometimes you question if we're both human, right? Are we the same species? Because we could see things so differently. So I want to get into the differences in the male brain versus the female brain from a psychological perspective with uh, one of my favorite psychotherapists, Jill Robin Payne. She's been on before. Happy to welcome her back. Jill Robin Payne, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Rich. It's good to be back. I, I love the subject. I think it's, it, you know, studies just validate what we already know. Yeah. And it well, just, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been seeing I, I, clients for, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Well, you know, a lot of us like to see research and, and uh, studies because it makes us feel better about whatever yeah, our validation. thoughts are. Yes, it's, it's validation. And basically, women and men are different. That's why I, I love the book and people make fun of it, but men are for Mars, women are for Venus. <laughs> and some of my clients will get mad at me. They'll say, oh, you're just saying that, uh, you, you know, you, I, I'm sticking up for his, her husband or something. And, and she's like, oh, you're just saying that because, um, you know, of the book or that, that's not real. And I said, yeah, I, I mean, they're different. And, you know, another thing, Rich, is we all have different brains. All of us have different retinas, which is the, the uh, brain material in the back of your eye. All of us have different fingerprints and we are all different. So that take that into a, a effect, plus 
the study and we just need to really be more perceptive and listen to people more, I think, and then try to speak their language. I think that goes with everybody. Yeah. And I, I think that's a pretty general, general statement, but let's, um, let's dig in a little bit, right? Because, uh, this is sure. something that you know a lot about. Yeah. And I think that this is, um, cool. It's a very cool topic. So let's, um, yeah. let, let, what were some of the big takeaways, uh, that, that you find that are these major differences between the male brain and the female brain? Well, I liked that they showed that there was some, uh, the, the brains are, uh, you know, the, the man's brain is about 10% to 15% larger than the female's brain. And it doesn't mean that you're all more intelligent. Yeah, well, is that just because we're bigger as people? <laughs> yeah, it's just because, yeah, you're just built differently. Yeah. As a matter of fact, your muscles are are stronger and, and thicker. And yeah, so you're, you're built differently and it all has to do uh, a lot has to do with your genes and hormones. And so Dr. Menon was just saying that this validates and it motivated him to do the study because he wanted to see about genes and hormones and they do play a crucial role in your brain development and how, how it is organized in the brain. So that's what, the AI model was looking at. It was looking at different regions, areas of the brain that you have and that I have. It's just they are, they're wired different. And so there were three, uh, three hot spots that they talk about, which I thought were really neat. And one is the default mode network that you probably haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. And it basically is about Focusing on self, that's when it lights up, when we're in introspective mode and we're just thinking about personal memories and we're sort of chilling, that will light up. Well, that was different in the female versus the, the, the male. And then the limbic system, which you probably know, it regulates emotion. Everybody hears about that. And it also uh, has to do with our memory and it deals with sexual stimulation. If you get turned on, it's your limbic system. And then the other one was the striatum. Uh, And that's important with habit forming and rewards. And the reason these were, these were different, uh, they would light up and that's what the AI model saw the difference in the man and the woman. And if you, if you look at studies, they say that, uh, so the limbic system, which is, is emotion and you're regulating it. They say women are twice, uh, as likely to be depressed as men and men are twice as likely to be addicted to alcohol and drugs and, and other things, uh, as, as women. So wow. that sort of validates. Yeah. So that sort of validates, not doesn't sort of, it does, it validates what we have come up with in studies. So I thought it was a really unique. Well, it's very eye-opening to me. And I just want to follow up on something you just said about the limbic system. Uh, When it talks about regulating emotion uh, and memory, I think those kind of go hand in hand in many ways for men and women. Like if you've ever had an argument with a significant other, you might forget what you're arguing about. They don't, right? (laughs) And they can be like, January 4th, you said X, Y, and Z. And and I I find, I guess that's a main difference that it's not just a personality thing. It's an actual difference in the limbic system. But how does emotion play a role there? What are these differences in emotion? And and is it uh, like emotionality, like 
people crying and getting angry or um, one's capacity to be compassionate? How does that play out? Well, the limbic system also is associated with, uh, you know, when you have fight or flight, when you're, uh, when you're feeling that you're threatened, uh, you're, it's going to affect your limbic system so that your, your emotions are going to just be heightened. And so when your emotions are heightened, then your uh, concentration, memory, all that is going to be affected. So mm-hmm. that's, the, yeah, so that, that's going to affect your limbic system. And regulating your emotion, there are some people, you know, that have mood disorders. So their emotions won't be regulated. And so they just can be impulsive or, uh, you know, their moods are going to fluctuate. And so uh, this is good for the doctors or, or med- medicine to know so that they can know what kind of medicine to treat these people. And so I liked it because people will come to me, Rich, and there'll be doctors. I I really don't myself have any really good psychiatrist that I refer out to. My clients might know of some, but so when, when I say that, I mean that a lot of doctors that I know that work with the clients We'll just give them, okay, they have bipolar two disorder. I'm going to give you this, this, and this. And when in actuality, everyone is different. And so this medicine, just like your, well, I take cholesterol medicine. So my cholesterol medicine might not work with somebody else that, right. that has high cholesterol. Okay. The same with mental illness. So this has honed in even more where we need to see that. Not only is every, everyone has different brains, but men and women have different brains. So that's going to help. And that's what Dr. Menon was talking about. It's going to uh, help in the manifestation of psychiatric and neurological disorders and, and help to maybe regulate them better with some different types of medication. Fascinating stuff here. Now, Joe Robin Payne, when you have um, you know a client that comes to you and and presents with these, with these issues, um, yeah. whichever they are, do you tailor your approach to men versus women based on how they're feeling because they're different? Or is it kind of like you treat everybody the same because the, the problems are the same? You know, I treat everyone different. I, I, mm-hmm. I say everyone is special. And if someone comes in and they have some mood issues, the first thing I have them do is get a full exam. I have them have, you know, their blood tested uh, and, and see their internist because there's a lot of things that can affect your mood. So if you have diabetes, thyroid problems, uh, hormone uh, imbalance, all these different things, you want to make sure that they're all in check before you put anybody on uh, a- any emotional medication. So now, that's why, yeah. So when people come in, I treat everybody different. I listen to their story and we go back and forth. And I find that, believe it or not, you know more what you need than anybody else. Right. Because you know your body better than most people. Exactly. So I listen and then we, you know, banter back and forth. We do my empathy and then we come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. Now, the final part of the the Stanford research uh, focused a lot on the differences um, with sex, not just the difference between the, the male and female brain, but how each of them 
um, making quote it for you. Our findings suggest, and this is uh, Dr. Vinod Menon, uh, our findings suggest that differences in brain activity patterns uh, across these key brain regions contribute to sex-specific variations in cognitive functioning. Uh, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, he, and he added further that research, more research is needed to fully understand the implications of the finding. But right. it's, it's, it, it has a lot to do with chromosomes and the release of certain sex-specific hormones in the brain, particularly right. in early development, puberty, and during aging. And I think right. this is really important because if they're saying the brains are very different um, and we're in a, in a time in history where there are some folks in the mental health uh, or even in, 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 in medical um, profession that, that would agree with a child that says, oh, you identify as the opposite sex, All right? Well, let's help you become that opposite sex. We're, right. we're seeing there's differences in the actual brain. So when we come back, I'd like your take on, on how that ultimately plays out. Folks, we're on with Jill Robin Payne, one of my favorite psychotherapists, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-4237. 833-482-4237. So it's well known that male and female chromosomes release sex-specific hormones in the brain, particularly in early development, puberty, and during aging. There's also marked differences in how women and men perform in the real world. Women tend to be better at reading, comprehension, writing ability on average, and have good long-term memory. Conversely, men seem to have stronger visual and spatial awareness and a better working memory. Yet scientists have struggled to spot these differences in neural activity with brain structures looking the same in men and women. And that's why this new research is so important. Now, Jill Robin Payne, I'm, I, my, my thought here is if there is a difference that occurs during puberty, then it, it seems like it would be a disservice to the brain to not allow the brain to mature so that we could experience it at its fullness and that puberty blockers may stunt brain growth and and further, you know, exacerbate mental issues. And that's just me as a layman. What are your thoughts? Well, my thought is first, this is very controversial. And the the issue here is it's psychological and physical. And so my I've had talks with my son who's 32 years old. He's in family medicine. And I let him know, I say, a woman has a vagina, a man has a penis. And I, I be, I'm just very anthropological. <laughs> I just yeah. made up that word. Uh, and so we talk and he'll say, mom, but these uh, people, they identify as. And so it's, it's a, a topic that we, we really need to listen to their side. I, I definitely agree that if you're going to play with a body with hormones, hormones and change them, 
it is going to affect you. Fact is that when men that lift weights that take that testosterone, that special testosterone to get them big and bulky also affects their blood pressure. Uh, they can have strokes, they can have heart attacks. So you do not want to play around with hormones. I mean, that that's a fact. So you really need to know what you're doing with that. Now, when you are, you know, touching people that have not fully developed, that's something that we need to think about. And this is a new, new topic. You know, it's a new topic, Rich, and we don't even know what the, uh, you know, what's going to happen. It, yeah. you, you know, this has just started. We, we don't even know there's going to, I promise you, there's already studies in the make to even answer that question. Well, it, just, and, it uh, seems this, to me that this research seems to, to make it clear that these brains are different and that we probably shouldn't mess around with them because it says major changes happen during the aging, during puberty. So I think uh, you're on to something, Joe Robin Payne. We should probably wait and see as opposed to taking action. Joe Robin Payne, thank you for being here. Folks, make sure you give her a follow. And we're coming right back. Your calls and more coming right up. I'm Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. We continue our conversation on things that are other than politics. And I'm, I like to talk about, um, you know, the family and, and child rearing and just things that so many of us go through. And again, I'm not going through these things per se at this point. My kids are big now, right? I've got an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. And, and uh, I say that with a tremendous sense of pride because it was hard to get to, to this age, right? Uh, but, you know, your kids will deal with conflict in different ways with kids that push them around with bullies and whatnot. And that could affect them in different ways. You know, for, for, for some, it'll create uh, aggression in your kid because they were brought up to, to know that nobody can push them around and they might, you know, sock them. And for others that may shatter their, their trust and, and in everything, right. And all things good and holy. So there, there's a lot of different responses and I want to, get into this a little bit because there's a study out that says experiencing childhood bullying triples the risk of mental health issues uh, later on in life. And I thought makes sense to me. Uh, I could only imagine because I think when we hear bullying, I think it's, it's nothing short of, of abuse. It's just not abuse at home. It's abuse somewhere else. And for some, I think we, we, we euphemize uh, this, this abuse into bullying and for some of us, we're like, yeah, it's, it's teasing. It's a normal rite of passage. And maybe it is, right? Maybe it is just a, a little bit of rivalry amongst colleagues that are six years old. But I think there's times where it has a more profound effect and becomes trauma for a child. So I, I don't know what the threshold is between one and the other, where it's just like, oh, this guy's a jerk versus this guy bullied me and I'm scarred for life. And, and I'm going to find out about that with Kelly Shoup. She's a licensed pediatric occupational therapist. And I think there's a number of things that I'd like to ask Kelly Shoup because ultimately I think it, I live in a world where I deal with mentally ill people on a regular basis, whether they're calling this show, and I'm not saying all the callers, but you've heard 
the handful that call that are mentally ill. And, and and we all deal with people that are dealing with mental illness. Uh, maybe some of each of each of us is dealing with that or family members. And if there's a way that we can all put our best foot forward to try to manage, mitigate and uh, minimize the effects of mental health or at least even having more mental health challenges in the world, uh, then we should all you know, play a role in, in trying to reduce that. So I want to welcome Kelly Shoup to the program. Kelly Shoup, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm looking forward so, to discussing yeah, this topic. Me too. Um, because, um, again, I, I think there's a, there's a, a more to it than just, um, to me, that, that it's, a, it's a telling headline, but one that makes all the sense in the world, that kids that experience uh, bullying have tripled the risk of mental health issues later in life. Makes sense to me. Uh, I think the, the big part here is what do we do? How do we help? And that's where you come in. Kelly Shoup. Yeah. So I think, um, I think the word bullying is, has been a hot word over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I think that we really need to look at how we use it. And so bullying to be true to the definition of it, the frequency and severity of it matter. So it's something that is done more than once, but in lots of families that I help, a a child will come home and say, I was bullied today, mom. And that might be a one-time occurrence, a one-time slight or, you know, annoyance from another child. And so a parent, you know, runs up to school and sounds the alarm and really doesn't have a clear picture of what really happened. So I think both schools and families need to kind of have a good sense of what this really is and that it is something severe and, um, and not to use the term lightly because parents react seriously to it and, and schools do too. You know, other, you know, coaches will, the YMCA will. So everybody's on alert for this. Everybody's looking out for it, but let's really make sure it's, it is something that's happening, you know, over and over. And to somebody who is perceived to be vulnerable um, and in kind of a weakened state is usually who the bully, you know, picks on. So, um, yeah. And I would just say that I love this article and this research because it was a big study done over a really long time. Um, And it, you know, it focuses on the middle school and the teenage years, but in my world, I, I want the parents who have four, five, and six-year-olds to hear it tonight because those are the ages when um, your children are with you and you can help them establish their own sense of self-worth, what they have an ability to do. That's when kids are hardwired, how God created them to connect with parents, to have a really safe, solid, stable, trustful relationship with their parents. So then when middle school hits and the hormones are starting to change and developmentally and kind of the age and stage gets more difficult for these kids, they've got a safe place to go home, unload the stresses of their day, you know, um, and, and be able to talk through any issues that come up from somebody at school 
or, oh my goodness, this kid was really mad at me. What do I do with that, mom? This kid was about to slam me up against the locker, or this kid was chasing me around the playground, and I didn't even do anything. You know, I think they have to have some place to take it, to say what's going on with them, and that is, I would say, the first step, and that happens years before it occurs. Right, and I think something you just mentioned about the definition of bullying, and I can tell you from my own experience that there was uh, in the state of New Jersey, and I think it was probably the first in the country to to pass these um, these set of laws called HIB harassment. Uh, um, I forget what and bullying, and it it um, it, it stemmed from a, a case at a Rutgers University where um, a, a student there was caught or videotaped um, engaging in a homosexual act, and he was closeted. Yeah. And it went out publicly and to ridicule him. And, and then he went to the George Washington Bridge close to where I live and he jumped off and he killed himself. And when that yeah. happened, they created all these um, HIV laws in New Jersey. And then they started creating these laws all across the state, uh, in other states across the country. And bullying became a huge thing. And, you know, earlier you right. mentioned that this should be something that's repeated, right? And it's something that is not just right. like a one-time isolated event. I agree with you. Um, that there are going to be challenges in life that we have to be resilient and we have to know how to deal with at whatever age. Um, but I feel like right. the, the, the emphasis on bullying has been really placed on, on, on anything that may make somebody feel a little bit uncomfortable. And therefore, it creates this, um, this um, situation for, for kids where they're just like, hey, you're bullying me. And it just might mean you didn't agree with me. And, and I think the definition of bullying has to be kind of um, uh, similar, right? Or at least the same across the board so that everybody's talking about the same thing. Otherwise, you're, um, you're talking apples and oranges without even realizing that you're talking apples and oranges. So I think that was a really good point that you raised. Something else that um, this research that you, you cited mentions is that the when there is bullying and it's repeated and whatnot, it... it chips away at at the child's trust and this is why the mental health problems are likely to follow them into adulthood because of the study showing that the research found kids were bullied at age 11 and then became distrustful by age 14 and they were roughly three and a half times more likely to have mental health problems by the age of 17 so it's interesting to see how this progresses and if if they don't do as you're suggesting, you know, go home and have a safe environment to talk to their parents, it could become a, a very difficult situation. So, Kelly Shoup, I want you to let everybody that's listening know how they could learn more about the work that you do, your website, your social media. Let everybody know. Yeah, so you can find me at my website, www.kellykellykshoup.com. S-H-O-U-P.com. You can find me on Instagram at Kelly K. Shoup. I'm on YouTube at Kelly K. Shoup. And I have a podcast called Making Sense of Parenting. Outstanding. Well, Kelly K. Shoup, I want to thank you for being with us. A licensed pediatric occupational therapist. Definitely check out her podcast, Making Sense of Parenting podcast, and her YouTube channel and, and her website. I think it's a wealth of information, and you can get a lot of her uh, her podcast episodes right on the website. I was looking at a couple myself, and uh, 
something I wish I had when my kids were little. Kelly Shoup, thanks for being with us. Folks, we're coming right back with your calls and a little bit more on our discussion on mental health. This time, what's going on with Joe Biden's mental health? Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I, uh, um, anyway, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway, I, I just, look, I mean, Putin's kleptocracy, uh, yeah, it was in February, February uh, January, after we been elected. Early, early February. He said, um, it's not, we lead, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. Here's what drives the driver uh, in the states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers. Uh, I, uh, for two reasons. It impacts the decades we're making because inaction, was, uh, there was inaction the, uh, with, with the Department of, uh, uh, with, from, from, uh, uh, Char- excuse me, from Charlotte, one, and, uh, another line going from in, in Florida down to Tampa. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, <laughs> there you go. Now, look, there's five minutes of that on this reel that we've got of Joe Biden. And honestly, I was going to play it to kind of make a joke, but honestly, the longer I listened to it, the worse I felt. And I thought, my goodness, if my mom was alive, she'd be yelling at me saying, Mira, nene, so la pena, right? <laughs> that, that, that's a pity what's going on there. And don't you dare make fun of this guy. So uh, I, uh, I'm not going to in this instance. Instead, I'm going to share a poll with you. This is uh, in Politico.com. Nearly 70% of voters say that Biden is too old to serve again. This is a Quinnipiac University poll showed that 49% of registered voters support Biden and uh, uh, that support Biden. 45% uh, support Trump, but 67% of them say 
81 percent, uh, 80, excuse me, that the 81 year old president is too old to serve ever again. Wow. So President Joe Biden's narrowly leading uh, Trump in this um, in this overwhelming uh, amount of voters here. This is like the first poll that, that's showing this. Right. The poll was conducted conducted from February 15th to February 19th and found that 45 percent of registered voters support Biden. Forty five percent are backing Trump. And this is in a hypothetical matchup. <clears throat> but 67 percent of those voters say that Biden being 81 years old is just too much for him to effectively serve another term compared with only 57 percent who said the same thing about Trump, who's only 77 and selling sneakers that are going for like 45 K. That's a different story. We'll get into that probably tomorrow. But 34 percent said that uh, Biden had the mental fitness to serve a second term, while 48 percent believe Trump is mentally fit. So doesn't look good for Biden on the age front, even if he's, you know, ahead in this hypothetical matchup. And it's, you know, one of uh, very few polls where he's actually ahead. <clears throat> so it's become a prominent issue for for this particular election. And of course, like most issues, it's driven by the media. I think uh, the Democrats are the ones that are pushing this this idea that Biden is too old. Republicans never said he was too old. They said he was a crook. Right. Republicans didn't say he was too old. They said that he was a bumbling idiot. Um, Republicans didn't say he was too old. They said that he was dishonest and a treasonous liar. And all of the above, I believe. Right. And I think that's why they're not impeaching him for being old. They're not impeaching him for anything other than his disastrous failure as president. But ultimately, Biden's in rough shape. Now, Biden as you remember, a couple of weeks ago, he got into a little tiff with Peter Ducey from the Fox News Channel, where Ducey says, uh, sir, are you able to uh, continue into another term? Obviously, with special counsel hers report, it's clear that you're not able to serve. And you may not remember that exchange, but then another reporter chimes in. And I'm going to play that audio for you when we come back, because I think it's uh, important to remember that exchange because Biden says, no, 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 my, I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. Well, you'll hear it when we come back. Again, the phone number, if you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. 833 that's Valdez with an S. I'm so glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Your memory has gotten worse, Mr. So, President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. 
Joel Baboso Biden, right? That was him a couple of weeks ago saying his memory's fine after his little tiff with Peter Ducey and another reporter followed up saying, but but your is is your memory all right? And clearly we don't know that his memory's uh, all right or not because he's constantly messing things out, right? Uh, messing things out, <laughs> messing things up. Maybe something wrong with my memory. Uh, I think there's always something wrong with my memory. But uh, bottom line here is Biden, he met with the uh, widow of Alexei Navalny today, and he, he screwed that up. I don't know if we have time to play all that audio right now, but uh, we'll get to it in just a couple of minutes, six or seven minutes from now. Um, when we start at the top of the hour, I'll be able to jump back into that. And But a little spoiler alert, uh, he ruins her name and messes it up. How long is that clip? All right, you know what? We'll play it here since we do have a couple of seconds. Listen to this. This morning I had the honor of meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife and daughter. As you state the obvious, he was a man of incredible courage. And it's amazing how his wife and daughter are, are emulating that. We're going to be announcing the sanctions against Putin, who is responsible for his death, tomorrow. And uh, but the one thing I made that was made clear to me is that uh, Yolanda is going to, she's going to continue to the fight he had underway. So we're not letting up. Now, of course, her name is not Yolanda. It's Yulia. Now, I guess anybody could make that mistake. But when you're constantly under fire for making those mistakes, you should probably do a little bit of a better job. Anyway, I see we have calls from Pittsburgh and Boise, Idaho. Stay on the line. We're coming right back. Open Phone America starts now. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Uh, welcome. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, this is the time to do it. Open Phone America. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. Of course, our legacy line, 866-50-JIMBO, remains active. If you want to use that, you're welcome to do that as well. And... A bunch of things that uh, we've talked about tonight. We've talked about bullying and, and mental health issues and the difference between the male and female brain and Biden's mental health, as well as w why and how the family is being destroyed and what, you know, some researchers think can be done to salvage this, the family over the next uh, generation or two or even three generations to reverse the damage we've seen over the last two and three uh, generations. So lots to discuss. Of course, there's other news out there that we've talked about uh, with, uh, and there's always new things going on in politics. You've got AOC all out crazy. My least favorite Congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known here as AOC all out crazy. 
Uh, she's announced she will run for re-election uh, in her House seat. And, of course, she will continue to provide us with uh, lots of great, uh, you know, sound bites with uh, <laughs> the crazy things that she says. Then we also have uh, one of Biden's dogs was uh, permanently ejected from the White House, is now going to live with other family members because um, I don't know if it's Commander or one of the other ones, but these dogs just keep biting people, right? Good old Commander. He's commanding uh, his lockjaw on, on, on Secret Service members and everything else. The headline here on the, on the Bongino Report, Secret Service agents are in greater, greater danger from Biden's dog than they are from assassins. <laughs> well, it's not only funny, it's true. And you've got uh, more than 5,000 donors to Biden are now uh, funding Nikki Haley's campaign. Isn't that interesting? So that's the deal that's been cut. They're like, hey, listen, run as a Republican, we'll vote for you, but we're really going to be the Democrats that elected Biden. And, you know, obviously she's going to have to, you know, live up to that. And and it, it is what it is, right? I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But that's, that's what's going on there. And then there was a big story here. Um, the Republican National Committee had filed a lawsuit along with the uh, Republican Party of New York State in um, striking down New York City's non-citizen voting law, where they were saying, well, listen, parents that live in Queens, whether they're citizens or not, should have a right to select who is on their school board. They should be voting members of the public because their children are in public school, whether they're citizens or not. And we're going to let them vote for who's mayor, for who's on their school board, for everything except uh, Congress and and federal, federal elected offices, right? Or, or statewide elected offices. And um, they tried to make that happen, but it, it was struck down because it violates the New York State Constitution. It also violates the federal constitution where it's not a uh, up to the municipality to decide who gets to vote, right? The time, place, and manner of elections is in, um, I think that's Article 3, Section 2 of the United States Constitution. So uh, I'm glad that that happened. And I'll give you a little bit of an update on that. Let's see here. Uh, a New York appeals court announced a decision on the Democrats' non-citizen voting scheme. And the lawsuit in New York was led by the Republican National Committee. And uh, it looks like they prevailed with the appellate court ruling that no, non-U.S. citizens cannot vote in U.S. elections. It's an absurd policy. It's been allowed to stand uh, for 900,000 non-citizens to cast votes in the Big Apple. And in their order, 43-page long order, uh, Fasella versus Adams, Associate Justice Paul Wooten of the Appellate Division for the Second Judicial uh, Department in New York announced that the decision that local law is null and void on the grounds that it violates New York State Constitution and the Municipal Home Rule Law, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel emphasized that American elections should be decided by American citizens. Full stop. I agree with you, Ronna. I, I don't always agree with you, but I agree with you on that one for sure. In a statement that she provided to townhall.com, the uh, RNC has devoted themselves and their resources to stopping Democrats from letting non-citizens vote. And this is a huge victory, right? And it says here it's a massive one. I agree. The reason is because if this becomes a trend now, we're like, well, you know what? Non-citizens can vote in New York. So we don't we're not going to check to see if you're a citizen anymore when we let people vote. Now, that's a problem. Why? Well, it's a problem because 
when you have a bunch of non-citizens in the country and they can just go to New York and vote there, then other states are going to say, oh, you could do it here. And then you make it easier to register people to vote without checking their citizenship. And then you give them a driver's license, you automatically register them, and voila, you've got every last uh, illegal migrant that's come to this country um, illegally by way of Biden's, in my opinion, illegal invitation. And they're voting in our elections. And that can't happen. So uh, kudos to the Republican Party, um, the RNC, for doing something good here and winning this this um, this current uh, decision, this victory in the courts. Um, kudos to Ronna McDaniel and the rest of the gang. I want to get to your calls. There's lots to discuss. We're going to talk about everything that we talked about tonight, whether it's uh, bullying, looking at the economy, looking at El Trompito, then all this Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, as well as what's going on in Congress. And your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Right now we've got calls uh, straight across the country, the middle of the country, around the world. Our buddy Gil in the Philippines, I see, is on the line. And uh, we've got a call from uh, Oregon on KUMA. We've got calls from the center of the country in Idaho, uh, the East Coast, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the building. And more are chiming in. So let's uh, let's see. Let's who's been online the longest here. Uh, let's go to Gil in Manila, Philippines. Gil, what's up, my man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Oh, it's a pleasure to talk with you again, my friend. Likewise, uh, I'm glad to hear your voice. Situation. Yeah, well, my health situation seems to be getting better. Uh, Amen. But anyhow, I'm glad to hear it. I wanted to make a comment. So something I. I saw a few days ago, and then I looked it up to make sure I was correct. Donald Trump is suggesting that any aid we give to uh, the the folks in Ukraine should be uh, given in the form of a loan and not a blank check, similar to what we did during World War II, something called Lend-Lease. Helping yeah. the the allies, and uh, I don't know if you saw that or not, or if there've been any comments, but uh, it makes sense to me. Oh, me too. Uh, listen, I I think we have to help Ukraine, and and all of our our allies, partners, you know, strategic alliances that we have. I I'm I'm not opposed to that, but I am opposed to being involved in something that is something that it's not. Right. And I think right now what we're doing is we're pumping money into Ukraine hand over fist. I mean, when you have the United States uh, Senate putting together a spending bill, it's ninety five million dollars. And uh, right. It was at ninety five million. Yeah, it's ninety five million dollars. And it was all in foreign aid. And we have a disaster at our own southern border. Uh, it's just bad optics, in my opinion. I understand that foreign aid has nothing to do with what's going on at the border. Uh, I get that. Uh, but I think if you're a good politician, you're going to make sure that it does <laughs> so that when you say, hey, look, we're approving this, but we're doing this and we're making sure that we're locking things down at the border. and We've got funding for this and that. And, you know, you've got to make it look like you're satisfying everybody. And that's what this game of politics is all about. And they don't even care to play the game. They're just they just want what they want. And I agree with you this needs to be um, uh, attached to an IOU. There needs to be a lot of conditions. And we can't, we have to let them know, listen, by the way, if Russia perpetually 
wants to bomb you and invade you for the rest of their existence, we're not going to be here forever to support you, right? I mean, we're, we're not going to be at in this proxy war forever. We have a responsibility. We can, like Trump, he sent them those javelin rockets. There's a lot of things that we can do. Uh, but helping them to put an end to the conflict is the number one thing we should do. And I think that's the number one thing Biden has not done is say, look, I'm going to use the the clout, the influence, the, the, the weight of my uh, Oval Office as president of the United States to to go ahead and uh, put an end to this once and for all. Lamentably, that's not happening at all. So uh, as as much as I'm for supporting Ukraine, and I am, uh, I'm, I'm all about pushing back on Russia and Putin. The reality is that you just can't play this game forever. There has to be an exit strategy. There has to be an off-ramp. Otherwise, we're screwed, Gil. At least those are my thoughts. Well, it makes sense, but there's just one thing that you didn't mention. When uh, Ukraine gave up their nuclear arsenal, it was with the agreement that we and other allies would guarantee their sovereignty. Yes, and you're right. This is the uh, the Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances, and uh, and you're right. Thank you for bringing that up. We have discussed it in the past, uh, but but uh, that's why I think we have to end this. Right, our commitment has to be finite. In that we we say, all right, we're going to get them to stop, and we have to make sure it doesn't happen again. We have to uphold exactly what you're talking about the Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances, so that we, we remind Russia. But I feel like that conversation is not happening. And, and you're 100% right. Uh, whomever is president needs to say, hey, Vlad, listen, Vlad the Impaler, how are you? No, we can't do that one. You can't, you can't line up all your troops on the border there. Uh, you can't pretend and flex on, on Ukraine like you're going to invade them. Oh, wait, now you're invading. Oh, wait, now you're there. Oh, wait, now you're bombing. Oh, wow, you're in Odessa. Wow, you're trying to take over everything. We can't play this game. We have to say, no, look, we have a commitment to protect these guys because we took away their nukes, and you don't want to get into it with me, and I'm the one watching their back, so what are we going to do? We're going to have a problem here? Of course not we're going to have a problem. We're going to work it out like gentlemen. What is it that I can do for you? Because here's what I need you to do for me, right? And, and and they call that diplomacy, but I don't think we've had any diplomacy, Gil. Well, I just hope that... Uh things uh, turn themselves around. They just had a uh, reversal. Uh, uh, the Russians took back some territory. Uh, I, you know, we got to do something about Putin. Uh, if not, he'll just do it one country at a time. And right. uh, our friends in our friends in Poland are our best allies right now. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Gil. The bottom line is, I think, and I'm not calling for Biden to do this, but uh, I think it's probably a good idea for Vlad the Impaler to um, to to fall back a little bit. And I'm not suggesting that he should go and hang out with Navalny. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that he should just ease up. And there's ways to get that to happen. I think that's why Trump is out there saying, "I can get it done in 24 hours. In 24 hours, I can get Russia out of Ukraine." I think it's true. When you, you just you have to be forceful and you have to say, hey, look, this is how far I'm willing to play this game with you. And if you cross this line, these are the actions I'm going to have to take. And you have to be forthright and 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 mean it. You have to mean what you say. And I don't think Joe Biden means anything. He doesn't know what he's talking about half the time. And he can't remember people's names. 
you know? And then he talks about these stories where he says, I, I got hairy legs. I mean, he's just all over the place. Joe El Baboso Biden strikes again. Gil, happy to hear from you. I'm glad your health has improved. We were talking about you offline the other day. And every now and again, somebody on, on the social media will say, hey, whatever happened to Gil from the Philippines? So uh, we miss you, Gil. We appreciate you. Godspeed to you. Hope to hear from you again soon. And folks, the rest of your calls and more when we return. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Russia, the Cold War never ended. The United States is Vladimir Putin's main enemy. Um, he is seeking to undermine not just democracy. It's not about necessarily putting a thumb on the scale for uh, Biden or Trump, although intelligence assessment says that he prefers Trump. The reality is that he wants to see a weak in the United States. I mean, we talked about the death of, of Navalny, but the other big news that happened this week is that it was announced that Russia is trying to put a nuke into space. I mean, this is a man, unlike 2016, unlike 2020, he is at war Ukraine, losing badly. He is desperate. And this makes him incredibly dangerous. So why wouldn't he try to interfere with the election? Why wouldn't he try to undermine Joe Biden? It just, well, it, you know, it right. just makes total sense with everything we've seen the last eight years. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. Joe Biden is probably one of the biggest uh dangers that we see in our country. They say it's Trump and all of the, the, the BS that they surround him with. But the reality is Trump is in, in control of our foreign policy right now. Biden is. And Biden's been at the helm of this for three years and he's been screwing the pooch since. Just look at the turmoil that we have. We have this conflict in, in Europe that's just unending. Didn't happen under Trump. You have this conflict with uh, Israel and Hamas. It seems to be unending as well. Didn't happen under Trump. You've got this continued encroachment of, of China into uh, Taiwan, uh, the saber rattling going on over there. Uh, there was talk of it, but there was no action. It wasn't happening under Trump. So, um, again, there was talk of it under Trump, but it wasn't happening. And you've got uh, Kim Jong-un, right? Is that his name? Is that, Got it right? And, and he is continuing to shoot little rockets every now and again because, of course, he's a little rocket man. And when Trump was around... He was buddy-buddy with Trump, shaking hands, laughing up a storm. You know, he wanted to play with the big kids and sit at the big kids' table. And he got a shot to do that, and he calmed down with that, too. So um, it's clear to me that Biden is the problem here, and he's the real threat to democracy. Let's go to Michael in Pendleton, Oregon, all the way on the West Coast, K-U-M-A in the building. Michael, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Uh, great talking to you again. Uh, hey, great call. Likewise. From uh, Gil, um, he's definitely one of your all-star callers. Uh, 
And uh, I agree with what you guys were saying. Uh, of course, with my girlfriend in the Ukraine, um, I'm for a sensible, reasonable amount of aid to Ukraine. But I'll explain to my girlfriend there, she's concerned if we don't send any aid that Putin may invade the rest of Ukraine. But I told her, you know, we've got to take care of our borders here, the southern border. You know, I'm very concerned about that. And I think yeah. any American should be. And rich our northern border in Canada. We're having some problems up there. Oh, yeah. And listen, I think you're right. We have to, to secure the entire country. And I think your girlfriend is right that to, to be scared. She's there and we're not. And uh, we heard earlier that there are differences in men's brains and women's brains, and we react to things differently. So I, I want your, your calls on that as well. We got calls uh, from all over the place right now. But if you want to call in on the men's brain versus female brains, uh, I'd like to talk about that as well. We're coming to your calls. Let's see. Charleston, South Carolina, Chicago, Idaho, Pittsburgh, all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. So a couple of quick headlines I want to go over with you here. Uh, number one, we have, um, let's see, the, man, there's so many. So many. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where to, to start with this. Um, man, there's not enough time. There's just not enough time. I'm now lobbying for a fourth hour. Ladies and gentlemen, call your local stations and see if they'll give me a fourth hour. Just too much to talk about here. So. We will start here. Uh, there, that's a silly story. Let's go with this one. CBS News is in hot water for seizing files from Catherine Herridge after they uh, got rid of her in a mass firing. And good for them. You shouldn't be stealing reporters' files. Now, I know they're going to say that's their work product and this and that, but she's also a, a uh, journalist. And um, she had been pursuing the Hunter Biden laptop story. So this is very, very interesting. And if we have time, I'll circle back to that story. But very, very interesting. Maybe we can get Catherine Herridge on to talk about it if she's able to talk about it outside of, uh, you know, any legal issues she may be involved in. And let's see. There was big, big ruling that uh, determined this was a couple of nights ago. And I, I neglected to mention this. My my fault. Uh, but the um, there was a big Supreme Court uh, decision in um, I think it was Alabama that said that. IVF treatments in vitro fertilization uh, violated the the terms of, of that ruling and that you were not allowed to do that anymore because embryos are children. And that was the, the big win of uh, on that case, that embryos are considered children. So there are more fertility clinics that are now halting all types of IVF treatments uh, in the wake of the court ruling. And Let's see. Now, you guys remember this one a few months ago last year. We talked about a student that had dreadlocks at a school in Texas. And they sent them home because 
They didn't like the way he had his hair tied up and he had his hair tied up, but they were saying it wasn't, it was, it wasn't neat enough. And I got to tell you, I saw the picture of the kid. I thought his hair looked terrific. This went to court again. It's an ongoing saga. And the judge sided with the school yet again. And I'm guessing that's probably because of the way state laws are written in Texas. But I can tell you, I mean, at least if I were a lawyer, maybe, you know, I don't know anything about this stuff. But in New Jersey, there is a a compulsory education rule. And I think I thought that was everywhere. So, I mean, if you were going to argue that you can't send me to school because you don't like my hair, um, I would turn around and argue that I have to go to school because I'm mandated to go to school or you can put my parents in jail or fine them X amount of dollars per day for every day I'm not in school. And I'm pretty sure that would get me back into school, even with messed up hair, because you can get into school with just about any situation, at least in New Jersey. Maybe Texas, um, you know, does things differently. But ultimately, I think, come on, people in Texas, let this kid do what he wants with his hair. It's his hair. He's not a bad kid. There's no other um, uh, gripe against this kid other than that his hair was long and it wasn't tied up the way they wanted him to tie it up. It was tied up, just wasn't as tight as they wanted it. Uh, listen, girls wear long hair. Lots of people wear their hair different ways. Uh, I understand if you're in shop class and you need to tie it back so it doesn't get caught in a machine or something. Granted, it's a safety issue. But um, for all intent and purpose, come on. Let this kid do what he wants. This is America. Having the Wearing your hair a certain way is not only a, a, an act of free speech and free expression. It could be freedom of religion. I mean, there's so many different ways to, that one expresses their faith. Uh, and, and it's not just, you know, uh, people with dreadlocks that use their hair for their religion. There's a lot of people that use their hair. The Sikhs, for example, um, you, you know, wear their hair a certain way. Um, the Jews, uh, Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn, at least, uh, the ones I've known, they use their hair a certain way. So I don't know. I mean, I think maybe they, the, the family of this student with the dreads needs a uh, better lawyer. But this seems like government overreach to me. Let this kid go to school. Let him wear his hair how he wants. You know, the way there's an old saying, right? What I eat won't get you fat. And I believe in that. Mind your business. Do what you got to do and let me do what I got to do. If I'm not breaking the law. If, if it's illegal to have dreads in Texas, then we have to revisit that. Anyway, Vice Media laid off hundreds of employees and they're going to stop publishing on their website. That's a shame because they published a lot of good left-wing content that, you know, I would pull audio from and then refute on the air and uh, things I could read and go, no way. Oh, you got to be kidding. It would give me content to talk about on the radio later. And, uh, and, and they did a good job and they did great documentaries. When it came to the documentaries, I think they did a really, really good job. Uh, hopefully they'll continue putting those on YouTube because they did such a good job with that. And then one more story. I know there's a lot of them here. Um, two more. I got to give you two more because these are important. Uh, I think they are. Wendy Williams, one of the talk show hosts in the New York area. She was on radio for many years on Hot 97, a hip hop station here in New York. And uh, then she was, I think her show was syndicated on television, the Wendy Williams show. Uh, she was diagnosed with dementia and aphasia. And that's interesting because there's like two documentaries on her that just came out in the last three or four weeks um, where she's talking about you know, her life and the saga that she's going through, but none of them uh, focused on, on dementia. And that's a shame. So uh, I, I really, I, I wish that was not true, but it seems like it is. We'll get into that a little bit later, maybe tomorrow or something. Uh, but I just wanted to put that out there because that was it. And then a couple of weeks back, I talked about a man in Alaska who was 
who was soliciting prostitution and the prostitute robbed him, right? She took a, a memory card, you know, like an SD card that was in his, the console of his vehicle. I don't know why she stole that, but she did. And it turns out there was evidence of a murder that took place on this, the video that was on this memory card. She turned it over to the cops. This man was now found guilty of the murder that was captured on video that was of the memory card that was stolen by the prostitute. And uh, I thought that was a, a very interesting story. And if we can dip into that, uh, we definitely will in a little bit. But uh, those are some of the stories I wanted to mention to you before I, um, you know, I talk about them or forget them. And, you know, it's a month later. I'm like, oh, I meant to tell you about that. Anyway, we talked a little bit earlier about the differences in men's and women's brains. And we were also talking about Putin and Ukraine and all that stuff. So I want to get to your calls. I know you guys have been waiting patiently. Uh, let me see. Where do we go here? We have calls from all over the place, which is great. Um, let us go to Scott, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Go right ahead. Oh, my gosh, Rich. You want another hour? I'd love to. I mean, I'm sitting here in the parking lot of my apartment complex because I'm just so glued to the show. Oh, so, uh, I mean, every freaking segment has been so excellent and oh, informative. You. I don't want to, you know, anyway. I don't want to jinx listen, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I opened the page to a, a Wikipedia. It's called Destroyers for Bases Deal. Mm. It's hearkening back to the Lend Lease Act. Okay. Um, we didn't just, you know, hand this stuff to England. We negotiated and you know, you've got the Virgin Islands and Bermuda and whatnot. Right, so right, got, yeah. We were talking about we, that before. Mm-hmm. So we we got this. I I do believe generally in the Ukraine helping them, but I think it's just uh, like what they used to call, uh, you know, when they open up land and you, it's just not regulated or throwing money. There's so much corruption. Rich, before, you know, six months before the invasion, Ukraine was in the news because Putin was uh, massing forces at the border. But yep. prior to that, in the last five, ten years, the only time you saw Ukraine in the news was because somebody in the Ukraine had uh, uh, hacked a computer at a hospital or a local government, or they were corrupt. It was a corrupt nation, and allegedly our FBI was working with them, but they were not very uh, good to us. I mean, that money stimulated their economy, but I'm just not, I mean, I, I'm not that, sensitive or appreciative of Ukraine. Yeah, listen, Scott, I think I share that sentiment with you. Uh, I, I don't think that Zelensky is a superhero. I don't think that Ukraine is a, a bastion of, of a sinless nation. Uh, I think that maybe Zelensky might be, uh, he might be their, their knight in shining armor, or maybe he's just the other uh, corrupt politician and party in an otherwise corrupt nation. 
of, of oligarchs. I don't know. I'm not there. What I can say is that we have to look out for our best interests and we have to honor the commitments that we've already made. And uh, something I shared uh, with the caller earlier was that, um, uh, as Gil pointed this out very aptly, that we, we signed the Budapest Memorandum of Security Assurances that urged the Ukrainians to give up their nukes in exchange for us to provide them with these security assurances. Now, what happens is we have uh, kind of made it somewhat ambiguous what type of security assurances we're going to provide. And that, I think, should be better spelled out, and we should do a better job of preventing them from being overtaken. And I think the easiest way for that is to let them into NATO so that that would clearly, I think, end things for Putin in the future. But uh, there seems to be a lot of a push to not allow that to happen. I think that's the best way to go because it would fix a problem in the long term. And I think that's something Biden could advocate for if, if he were thinking straight. But he's not. And that's where we are. So I think you bring up a really good point. We got to lend them the money. We got to get this money back and we have to start uh, titrating it down because we can't continue to just keep pouring money over hand over fist. I uh, appreciate the call, brother. Anyway, let us continue with our calls right after this. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. We can confirm, without a doubt, as our equipment is on the surface of the moon, and we are transmitting. So congratulations, I am team. We'll see how much more we can get from that. That is, um, I think it's Mr. Ultimus from uh, the uh, company that just launched this aircraft onto the moon. And it's always cool to see people launching stuff into space and whatnot. Yet another billionaire that's out there living his, uh, his fantasy and good for him. You know, I think that's awesome. If I ever make a billion dollars, I, um, I think I'm going to become like a rock star. Like, I'm going to start a garage band, and in my favorite genre, which would probably be, like, hip-hop or reggaeton, and uh, I will make music that nobody will probably listen to, but I'll just make it for the sake of making music, because I think ultimately that's why we make music, right? Some people make it because they want to make money. I think I would make it just to make it and for people to enjoy it, if they do enjoy it. Ultimately, I think I would enjoy just making it. And uh, what a cool life that is to be a musician, I think, right? Anyway, um, so that's what's going on on the moon. Now, back to reality over here. Let's go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Let's go to Bill. Bill, what's on your mind? Hi, Rich. Uh, hey. Originally, I was going to talk about something else, bullying, but 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 since you know the show kind of swung the other way, sure. I, I just want to, I, I just want to throw out my thoughts. Uh, Rich, this country uh, is uh, is not being run by 
uh, Biden. This country is being run by Obama and his court, his uh, the rest of his his uh, assembly that he had. Uh, uh, Biden Biden picked down there, still in government. Uh, Biden is, uh, I mean, grab a grab a grab a mannequin. Biden is a plastic. Uh, He's like a puppet, right? He's like one of those uh, little puppets where, you know, people are using. I agree with you. I don't think Biden's really the kind of guy that calls shots on anything. Uh, The only thing he calls the shots on is telling Hunter, hey, hey, go there. uh, Tell this guy that he owes us a bunch of money and you got to figure out a a nice, clean way to get it to us because I got hairy legs. Right. I think that's the only thing Biden's good at. Otherwise, uh, if it's not, you know, making money through politics, I don't think he knows how to do it. He's not a shot caller. So I agree with you. I think there's somebody out there calling the shots, maybe Biden, maybe donors, maybe all of the above. But it's definitely not Joe El Baboso Biden. That is for sure. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Shout out to KDKA, America's oldest radio station. And uh, let's go to Paul. Paul's in Boise, Idaho, listening online. Go right ahead quickly. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. You bet. Back to Ukraine. Yeah, they they amassed 95,000 troops and armament there on the border. And what popped out of Biden's mouth was, looks like a small incursion. I couldn't believe the guy said that. Yeah, you know, he he always shocks, right? Uh, I mean, sometimes it's disappointing and not surprising. But uh, ultimately, we got to watch this guy. You can't trust Biden any further than you can throw him. And he he's almost to the point where he's predictable now. If there's a bad uh, option, he's going to choose the bad option, the worst option, the one with the most repercussions and the one that's least favorable to the United States. That's what he's going to pick. It's sad, but it's true. All right, folks, we're coming right back with the speed round, your calls and more. 833-482-5337. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. He's brown. He's bald. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, here we go. We continue with the speed round. We're going to Coleman, Alabama, WDBT, checking in with our buddy Ron. Ron in Alabama, what's on your mind, brother? Quickly. Partner, thanks a lot for taking my call. Yes, sir. quick, so here it comes. In 2009, Russia took Transnistria from the Ukraine. And 2014 was one of the biggest battles uh, there. And uh, Crimea. I just want, and seventy percent of every dollar is going to BlackRock. We've asked for receipts from all the money we've been sending. Now I want to ask you, why is everybody saying that it's just one year or a little bit more than one year anniversary of the war there? Right. Well, I think they're they're, they're separating them into each each individual conflict. I think that uh, this current one where they um, overtook that whole area of uh, what's that area called again? Uh, Kherson. But there was a name for that whole region that they took over, uh, which was different than when they took over Crimea or, or other areas like the, the, the one that borders the water there. So I guess, you know, it's not like one Russia-Ukraine war, but three separate incursions, if you will. But I, I see your point. 
you know, they've had a constant conflict there. Putin's always looking to take back what he believes belongs to Mother Russia. And we've got to get in the way and say, hey, look, enough's enough. Those days are over. Ron, thank you. Big shout out to everybody in Coleman, Alabama, WDBT. And let's continue. Let's go to Zanesville, Ohio, WHIZ. Paul, quickly, what's up, bro? Hey, hey, uh, good evening, Rich. Yeah, I just it, I find it strange that I haven't seen anybody campaigning real hard for the presidential ticket for the Democrats. And, um, uh, you know, I think at this point in time, somebody would be, you know, I, I heard things a couple days, you know, here that maybe Gavin Newsom. I think you're right. Gavin Newsom might be running for president. He seems to be the Democrat that has positioned himself most prominently to make a move like that. So, Paul, hopefully um, you're on to something and he might be the guy because I think Trump can beat him, too. But we'll see how it plays out. Jim in Chicago on WGN. The music means they're kicking both of us out of here. But I promise if you can call in tomorrow, you're going to be the first one up. I appreciate your loyalty and a big shout out to everybody listening in Chicago on WGN. I know you guys are listening on delay and I appreciate it. Folks, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless you, America. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.